Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. After Purdue's 39 to 35 loss at the hands of Fresno State, three of my best friends are with me because I don't have many friends, but I've got these guys. Maybe I don't know. Mike Carmen, Tom Deanhart, Brian Newbert. I'm Alan Carpick, and uh, we are the gang at GoldenBlack.com. Want to thank the Union Club Hotel for its sponsorship uh, of this. Uh, it, it was a full house at the Union, uh, certainly this weekend, and uh, we appreciate them. Want to also remind folks that we have a website, and if you want, if you like this, make sure you think about subscribing to goldenblack.com. Some specials still going on that uh, would intrigue you, and uh, if, you know you can watch us on YouTube, but we're even better. These guys are even better in the written word. So we'll uh, give you my Carmen cell phone number, even. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can do that. All right, Mr. Dean Hart, I'm going to put start with you. Um, I guess certainly a you know, disappointing loss. It's a long season. We all talked about this being a game Purdue needed. But now, it, with the lens of three hours, um, put it in perspective that, uh, yeah, it's it uh, Purdue did not get the job done. Struggled defensively, struggled offensively, really, to be quite honest, in my yeah. view. But yeah. uh, what what say you about uh, what we saw in ross H Stadium? Well, I lost my bet with Mike and I had to shave my head. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, was I surprised Purdue got beat? No. Um, I think we talked about the point spread went from like six to I think three and a half or three when, it, when the game kicked off. We all knew about the – the savvy of their head coach, Jeff Tedford, we knew the reputation of their program. And Purdue certainly respected Fresno State. And, uh, yeah, it, and it happened, right? And it happened. Fresno State found a way to win a game. And I, I think most of us thought it was going to come down to the fourth quarter, and it did just that. And, Alan, you hit the nail on the head. It's funny. You look at the – if you just look at the final score, you'd say, man, 35 points. That should be enough to win any ball game, right? Even those 35 points were a little bit – of a mirage, really, when you think about it. one of those touchdowns came on a kickoff return. Another one was set up on a, like a 25-yard punt return and got Purdue to the 17-yard line. It still took him like eight plays to cover 17 yards to finally punch it in there as well. And uh, and the first touchdown in the game was, I think, a 3-5, and that was just a really a great play by Deion Burke. It's like the offense had any real sustained success there. I, you still got to give him credit, though, I guess. But I think, Alan, the real story was, was the defense and uh, just the issues they had. I think the biggest one, guys, I'd like to hear what you think, but in my mind, they couldn't get off the field on third down. Yeah. They, yeah. The first was 11-17 on third down. They ran, I believe, 80 plays to produce 62. And, you know, time and again on third down, Fresno found a way to move the chains. And, and uh, we saw it on the game-winning drive, too. So, yeah, it's just that defense. They've got a lot of things they've got to get buttoned up, obviously, especially on the back end. Brian, you we talked before we started here briefly about how Fresno was pretty good, too. This was a good football team. And to me, it looked like clearly the better team won. Now, Purdue had a chance to win this football game without question. But uh, looking at that, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't want to even suggest Fresno State's better than Purdue. I think it was pretty even. I think – um, you know, this game came down to third downs. If Purdue's offense makes a few more, if they just stop one of those fourth and longs, this could have gone either way. You know, I, I I said to somebody after the game that second that last possession for Purdue in the 
first half when I, I know they lost by more than three points, but if they just get yards on first down, you know, who knows how this game turns out because you might have you might have been able to do something there, at least keep the ball away from Fresno State so they don't kick that 52 yarder. Uh, it just came down to third downs both ways. And uh, I mean, that's obviously the uh, underscoring the, the um, constant that is the importance of third down in football. Um, but I think that one thing you have to give Fresno State credit for was, yes, two of those third and long conversions were missed tackles. One of them was Cam Allen. One of them was Dylan Thieneman. Part of that is uh, just making sure I used the right Thieneman name. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> Dylan, you got it. <laughs> um, that's going to happen sometimes when you put your defensive backs out on islands one-on-one. And Purdue did that a lot in its secondary. That That's – I think they're going to play a lot of man. And when you play a lot of man, I didn't think, you know, there were a couple busts here and there, but I, I thought for the most part, Purdue was, you know, there were a lot of throws where Purdue was right on the guy's back. Um, and the quarterback just put it in there. And that that's the, that's the definition of good offense, beating good defense and the nature of playing man defense and why so many coaches, uh, you know, tend to prefer zone um, because there were, just kind of more people in the general vicinity of the football and uh, you don't get beat if they make a perfect throw. And that kid from Fresno state, Mikey Keen made a lot of damn good throws. Yeah, he did. Um, I also think you have to give Jeff Tedford and them credit. They schemed some really good offense too against what, you know, they ended up seeing from Purdue and I, you know, they, they didn't have any tape on, you know, Ryan Walters and them at Purdue. I don't know if they went back and watched Illinois or whatever, but that one touchdown they threw to Jalen Gill was really good offense. They got OC brothers isolated on Jalen Gill out of the slot, and they they ran him into a portion of the end zone. They cut off the safety help. It, it was just a really well designed, um, a really well designed play. That doesn't mean Purdue should have been better defensively. They were just bad uh, in a lot of ways, but um, it came down to like a half a dozen snaps. If you just get off the field here and there uh if you don't give up those four third third longs if you give up two or three this game might have turned out differently uh, i don't really know what my point is here but um <laughs> it just came down to third down and uh um it sucks for purdue that they lost but uh i i thought there was some potential showed there today yeah uh purdue or Fresno State, 11 of 17, Purdue 2 of 12, conversely, really struggled there. Mike, uh, you know, one of the things uh, I also thought Purdue's, Purdue's disarray on the offensive line, injury-driven, certainly Moose and not playing uh, a factor, and then what they had to make some changes there and their inability to run the ball up the middle a couple of times. I thought Hudson Card was – Okay, uh, I thought he had a couple missed a couple chances to run the ball, but uh, talk about uh, you know not only your your view but also that line play and whether that was was that abhorrent to you or just was it just maybe I should have expected to have, my expectations were too high. Well, it just looked like a line that hasn't played together. Yeah, and you've got a lot of newcomers there. You've got some injuries they're dealing with, um, and they they've got to they've got to mesh up. You don't have time in college football to really generate a lot of chemistry there and they've had a lot of guys out you're missing Gus Hartwig it's who is one of your better linemen yeah um, and then Josh Kaltenberger who got valuable experience last year 
I just thought the line looked like a line that hasn't played together and they didn't get any push together. I mean, when you're, you run six plays from the two yard line and it takes you that long to get in the end zone, then you have some issues there. Now, I think, I think they had some running success late in the game uh, in part because Mockaby made, made some plays, but you know, the offensive line is a, is a concern, I think, uh, of getting these guys the chance to, to get to play together in a game. I know they played together in practice and then you're, you're rotating centers because of injuries and things like that. But, uh, and I think that hurt them on third down, you know, Fresno did have 11 third downs, but as you mentioned, Purdue, I think was two or three two, of 12 two of and, them, yeah. and they, they couldn't stay on the field and that contributed to, uh, you know, some of the defensive, uh, breakdowns just because you were on the field so much and, uh, Fresno was able to take advantage of, of those situations. Yeah, no question. Hudson Card, Tom, again, uh, you know, number 17 of 32, 154 yards. No, Purdue did not turn the ball over. No. Uh, didn't have an, an normal amount of penalties. But certainly when you had a chance at 28 to 17 and Ben and and, and, and I'm not sure all the whole sequence, but Freehill misses the field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, though they really Purdue was in the position to score a touchdown. I mean, could have, they could have been able to down the score score a touchdown might have really put this game in a very different light, like Brian said. But how did you view Hudson Card's performance? And maybe also, and again, don't know what the scheme was, don't know what they told him. Uh, I thought he missed a couple chances to really take off running that he didn't do. Um, but anyway, what's it, how, how did you look at that? Yeah, Brian asked uh, Coach Walters about um, Hudson running it maybe, though. And, you know, six carries for 29 yards, and we saw some of that athletic ability people had talked about. Uh, maybe they want to be judicious, though, Alan, and they don't want to expose them too much to maybe get they don't them. don't have back. any backups, really. I mean, that's, that's the problem. So, he only yeah. hit. He only hit fifty-seven percent of his passes. I thought Hudson Card was okay, just okay. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. I thought he was okay. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> on the on the going getting back real quick to the run game. You know, the lack of physicality. Brian and I were talking, and Brian pointed out during the game. You know, you got to you got to know who you are, and and we've seen this from Purdue for years. That inability to really get physical when you got to run the ball when everybody in the stadium knows you want to run the ball uh, in the red zone uh, at the goal line, if it's fourth and inches or, or third and one and midfield, wherever who just always struggles playing big 10 football and trying to knuckle it and run you over. We saw it again. Mike, Mike talked about the sequence where they needed six or seven runs from the one or the two yard line. And how about late in the game guys, fourth and fourth down from the one yard line, Purdue excuse the field goal goes for it. Mockaby gets stuffed. Uh, that's when Thieneman made the interception and Purdue ended up scoring a touchdown. But still, just another example. Uh, just it's, it's kind of demoralizing. It's exasperating. It's got to be for the guys on the sideline because you know it is for the fans. So that's not going to get cured anytime soon. Not, certainly not this year. Uh, the offensive line probably is what it is, guys. And they're going to have to try to figure out how to make things work with this offensive line. Jeff Brom found a way to still be effective. And I, I think these guys probably can too. So, yeah, you know, cuts a card again. Back to your original question, I thought he was okay. Devin Mockaby, I kind of wish they would have got him lubed up and going early on, guys. He was hard to use in the first half. We saw him get amped up a little bit in the second half. I think he had 60 yards, 20-yard run. He scored a touchdown. 
why not lean on Mockaby a little bit more? Maybe they were, they were trying to rotate all the backs early, it seemed like. And I get it. It's hot out. Well, what the heck, man? You, you got to win the game. And anyway, so there's that. And then finally, too, um, you know, the uh, the special teams, I'll, I'll, I'll need, leave, give you one more, leave at least a positive, the special teams, right? Yeah. I know the field goal, you can't miss that field goal. Come on, man. You can't miss that field goal. And uh, But you have the kickoff return. You have the nice punt return as well. And shout out to Caleb Crockover, right? Um, did a good job kicking the ball off. So that that was that was a, I think overall a positive with the special teams. Yeah, I I, I don't I think what was it, how far was the field goal? Was it forty two? It was a forty three yard kick. Forty three yards with left hand. It was ideal conditions. There's no pressure. Right. He had great the yeah. snap the whole. And, and, and as Ryan Walters said, at least on radio post game, you know he's been making them all year, all and, yeah. and he just didn't get it done at the time that they needed it to needed it to happen certainly from from that was a was a big mess at a, at a time or at least you, you knew that that would could come back to haunt purdue all right brian purdue you know i don't know and what i want a question for all three yeah, i don't you, care but, what you ask me i'm going to talk about something else all right <laughs> but go ahead you went to the you went to the ronald reagan school of pr, answer PR answer. All right. yeah. i wanted to ask you about have all three of you to ask about so make sure you work it into your answers okay or, or we're, or we're going to kick you off this podcast but no air raid principles i want to know what air raid principles got used today did i miss something or well that actually missing? yeah that am actually I, am I oblivious so go ahead you can say my... whatever you want but talk part of my point Purdue didn't have an offensive rhythm today didn't have a it right. didn't have a bread and butter like uh it. it didn't have bread or butter uh, <laughs> it either made big plays and scored or it didn't do anything um I think I'm gonna say the same thing about this this Purdue offense now that I said about all of Jeff Brahms offenses is that you have to get people off balance with your passing game and then run off of that. You can't just say, okay, we got five offensive linemen here. They're all going to push people or all they're, they're all going to get out to their zone blocking assignments fast enough to open up this hole that, I mean, that can work after you've gotten a defense on its heels with your, with your passing game, made them worry about other stuff. Purdue never really, uh, you know, kind of had that kind of go-to, uh, ball control sort of identity today. Whether I, I mean I'm, they've got all season to kind of figure it out, but you know maybe Garrett Miller would have made a difference there. Maybe throwing the ball to running backs a little more out of the backfield. Maybe Tyrone Tracy becomes more of a factor there. I don't know, but um, they've got to get some just kind of go to bread and butter sort of. Here's where we, what we can do whenever we need to just get five yards and just keep the sticks moving forward. You know, I thought the running game, um, I think, you know, Hudson Card had some opportunities to keep it on some read option stuff. Uh, maybe that's something they watch film and say, okay, you need to, I need to do a better job next week doing this. And maybe some of those zero yard gains going up the middle with the quarter, with, with, with the running back, that becomes all of a sudden a seven yard gain where Hudson Card just basically basically takes off off the corner um yeah he missed a couple chances to they just today, I thought. Yeah. yes he, he, he did he also missed an opportunity to scramble there where he he fanned it out to try to keep throwing when he could have just taken his six or seven yards there um it was my sense during the game that they kind of don't want him in harm's way uh but uh, i asked walters I about that at the game and he didn't 
he didn't seem to lend any validity to that theory. Um, but they just need to, you know, get some, you know, sort of Kyle Orton to uh, Taylor Stubblefield stuff, get some Aiden O'Connell to Charlie Jones stuff, just something you can just kind of hang your hat on and something that the defense has to worry about every single snap and kind of go from there in terms of your running game and, and whatnot. Um, so what air raid principles uh, did you see today? You know, people hear about air raid and they they – they assume it's bombs getting dropped on everybody. It's just big play, big play, big play. It's really not what it is. When you go back and watch Mike Leach offense, it was much more like what what Joe Tiller did in terms of the short passing game and just almost an extension of the running game kind of thing. You, you just play with tempo and you, you just keep people uh, – you oh, just man, keep throwing that same pass over and over again until they stop it and then you play off it. And it was kind of the uh, – that's kind of the opposite, I think, of what people perceive air raid to be. But this game today was that. It was Purdue either made a big play or didn't make any plays. If they could just hit those six yards, six yards, six yards, seven yards, 40 yards, you know, three yards, five yards on down the line, they would have won this game because they would have moved the chains. And uh, if they had just moved the chains a little more, they would have won. And, uh, I'm not sure you saw a lot of, you know, true air raid type of stuff today in, in that in that sense. Now, I, I don't know what Graham Harrell's version of air raid is. I can only, um, you know, sit here and and talk about what I saw today. Um, but in terms of the air raid, it, it, it's not always big plays as much as it is just rhythm in the passing game. And uh, I think you saw big plays, but no rhythm in the passing game today. Yeah, I think that's true. Mr. Carmen, uh, you know, looking at that, and then also kind of looking at the perspective of, of all right, taking the long view. You got to, you got an opportunity in Blacksburg next week. We don't really know. We know Virginia Tech has struggled here of late. They play James Madison as we are starting to, re- or as we are recording this, but uh, still ahead there for Purdue. But uh, how do you view that? Uh, and just putting it, uh, if you're Brian Waters, you got to put that in one, one game at a time, compartmentalizing. I assume. Well, from an offensive standpoint, just trying to figure out what the identity of this team is going to be. I mean, you can have the air raid offense, you can have all that stuff, but you know who? What what is this team going to be offensively? I mean, they're going to they are going to throw it, they are going to run it, but how's that going to look? You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's something that's still going to evolve. I, I you, mm-hmm. you would hope by the by the time you get to the end of the month here that you have that firmly in place that. You have those plays that you can that you can go to to get to keep the chains moving and and things like that. I mean, this is all this is still all new for everybody because you have new coaches, you have a new scheme, and you have new players. And until you get in the game, and you know, as Mike Tyson said, you know, once you get hit, you figure it out. So Purdue's going to have to Purdue's going to have everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so what is what is Purdue's plan now that they got, you know, sort of punched in the face by Fresno? But how does that offensive identity evolve now <laughs> as you as you work through this month? Uh, it, it, you know, it's still a very very important month for Purdue because the back end of the schedule, and you need to you need to pick up some wins here in September yeah. to, to get to make October meaningful and make November meaningful. But I just think it's going to take some time. To, to figure this out, you know, as Brian said, they were never in a rhythm. I, 
they, I, I thought they were awkward and clunky on offense. I mean, they just never, they just never established yeah. anything. But you know, the question becomes, what were they trying to establish? Yeah, and I, and I don't know if that's a question that Walters or uh, Graham Harold would answer truthfully yeah. if, if if pointed to them. I mean, what were they, what were they trying to do, um, and how much did they kind of shift that as the game, as the game went on? So you know, they've got. You know, and then defensively, I still think, you know, I know that they're going to play man and you're going to have some missed tackles, but that's, you know, those those issues in the secondary have been around Purdue for a while. And I just think you've got to, you got to figure out a way to clean those up and um, make some plays uh, in the back end. And it helps if you would get some more pressure from the front, front seven as well. Yeah, 30 rushes, 30 passes. Was the thing and the longest pass play to a receiver six yards. Tom, last okay. word. Uh, last word. Something to couch uh, that in though is yeah. all of, all of Hudson Card's r- rushing attempts. I think were scrambles. So those would have been passing. That those would have been passes called. Probably right. so. Though I think couple. I mean, he had a couple. I mean, the one late in the game where he took off. But yeah, I mean, uh, the one in third and ten when he or. Second and ten, when he was third and ten, but yeah, I, I, well said. That's true. <laughs> to, me, ba- ba- to me, to me, balance is yeah. hard to figure out because you don't, you know, is because he scrambles, it's a run, but it was a pass play. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's it's so, it's so yeah. hard to define balance because you don't look at the yard. I don't look at the yardage because that could be misleading. You try to look at the plays that are called, but again, you don't know if a pass was called here or a run was called here. Here, yeah, they want to be balanced. I get it, but it, it's hard for people on the outside to, I think to completely figure it out because you just, you don't know what the play play was called. Well, to yeah. be truly balanced too, your bread and butter has to work. Right. You know, to, yeah. you have to have something that you can play off. And right. that, that, that goes back to my, my, my point earlier, Purdue just didn't have bread or butter today. They just right. made a few big plays offensively and that accounted for their majority yeah. of their productivity. Yeah. Other than that, they just didn't really have anything to fall back on. You know, yeah. maybe they maybe they get an identity next week at Virginia Tech, or at least take a step in that direction. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, if we see the same thing from a clunky and awkward standpoint offensively next week at Virginia Tech, then you know you have to you don't you don't raise a big question, but you you start to see a trend develop that needs to get fixed in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to give you the last word as we close this up, though. Virginia Tech next week, Blacksburg. Um, don't know really what the Hokies are like, and we know the program has struggled a little bit of late, but they've got new players as well. And it will be a big game for Purdue. Um, as Mike had said, you know, you want to you want to continue. You want to try to take steps forward. But to put that uh, as you look at that game and also just sum up the performance today. Yeah, Brent Price trying to get the Hokies back on track after Justin Fuente struggled to do it. And uh, they have a new quarterback. Lane Stadium is one of the more raucous environments in college football, of course, with the inter-Sandman. It rocks the foundations of that stadium, a great fan base, a school that's a lot like Purdue. And But more importantly, guys, you know, here we are. uh, At least I talked about the importance of September for months now. And uh, I was thinking Purdue's got to be three and two in this month. If one's a good chance to make a bowl, now you're on one. You're staring at the possibility of being 0 and 2. You know, Mike and I talked after the game about point spreads next week, and I think we didn't agree Purdue's going to be an underdog, right? Yeah, Five I would think. Underdog. So 
here we are. Their backs are already up against the wall, and you got to come home to play three, three, three kind of tough teams: Syracuse, Wisconsin, and Illinois. You don't want to come home zero and two. So here we are. And anyway, that 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 brings me to adversity, right? Ryan Walters talked about adversity in the post game. He's talked about it before in the lead up. How are they going to respond to adversity? Well, they got a big heap of help and of adversity right now sitting on their lap. How are they going to respond? So I'm really eager to see. You know, we hear so many times from coaches, well, we make our biggest improvement from game one to game two. And there's, I'm sure there's a lot of truth to that. So we'll see, right? We'll see. Uh, big opportunity for Purdue that can really make a lot of amends to come home with the W, obviously, at one and one. So, yeah, I'm eager to see how the offense and defense evolve from what we saw today. Good storyline. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And we'll be back next week with our Saturday simulcast, probably around the same time with a noon start. We'll be getting Mr. Deanhart in the press box at at, uh, Lane Stadium. Also want to remind folks again to uh, think about subscribing to goldenblack.com, a whole host of content. Sunday will be a busy day with lots of stuff uh, an analysis of this game. And then, of course, uh, throughout the course of the week, as we head into week two, we'll have, Brian will have, has uh, uh, always been throwing in some basketball, to say the least, is that uh, as Purdue, Purdue inches its way towards the start of practice as well. It's September 26th, I think, is when uh, Matt Painter's crew gets going. So everybody have a great week. Thanks to the Union Club Hotel. And uh, gentlemen, have a good rest of your evening. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening and uh, and also checking out our site. We appreciate that. So we'll see you next week on our Saturday simulcast. And uh, until then, uh, be safe and well. Take care.